I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV's podcast 450. Jerry Miller, the disc golf guy. Next to Johnny V again. Sure. That's what you yeah. say. That's what you want. Uh-huh. Well, I want is want, want, Terry. Yeah. I found... No, I didn't find this out. I reaffirmed it in the last two days, Terry. Mm-hmm. People have strong opinions on putters. Yeah, that's fair enough. I made and, it. Um, I made a post yeah. uh, on Facebook and on Twitter, uh, just saying, "Hey, I got my basket out, and I'm looking for new putters. I've got a handful of like just random putters in there. A couple old soft magnets. I think I've got like an Envy in there. Maybe some AVR, some really old glow AVRs. Blah blah blah. You I got some judges too, probably. Uh, no, uh, no, I won't say. No, I do not. Uh, I have a. Ju- I have one judge in my in my actual bag that I keep oh, with me, and that's okay. a thr- that's a throwing putter for me. It's a little, for my tastes, it's a little too overstable. I like a slightly stiff, not super slick, um, beadless putter. I've always liked the magnet. I'm currently putting with deputies, mm. um, because many years ago, DD kindly shipped me out five burst deputies because I said I was looking for something to replace kind of a slightly beat magnet, and I've loved them. But I'm kind of ready to to miss with something else. To miss with something else, Terry. I want to embarrass a different company with my putting. What are you missing with today? Well, <laughs> let me let me tell you what I'm missing with. And so I made a post out there saying, I'm going to look for some putters and just, oh, th- just threw it out that's there. Like, that's right there. I know. Asking for your, what's your favorite color and what's your favorite thing to get in a oh. player pack? Like, oh, no, but it's. It's worse than your favorite color because <laughs> yeah. a favorite color, I understand. <laughs> um, but in general, a lot of people are, are throwing things out there at me, obviously. And I, I did make a small order um, of pures mm. and the stone steady BLs. Yeah. I'm going to try those. And then okay. I, if I'm if it's nice out. I might come down to the tournament you're running this weekend mm. and fondle some putters and see what I see what mm. feels good in the hand. Yeah. 
Because I figure if, if the war, it feels good in the hand, you know, they'll hold any line too. But it feels good in good the hand. For amateurs, good for professionals. <laughs> That's what you need. They're uh, good in wet conditions and dry conditions. Uh, Headwinds, tailwinds, crosswinds. Just, yeah, they'll hold up. I've got what you need. Just I, come down and do some shopping. I bet you do. <laughs> I bet you do, Terry Miller. If the weather's nice, I'll come down and fondle some of your putters. Mm-hmm. But and if it's not, you'll come down and find some of my butters. <laughs> I mean, if the opportunity, if the operate. if the offer is there, if the offer is there, so I'm going to give those a try. I figure if the best putter in the world, Andrew Marweed uses them. Yeah, it's definitely the putter because he was the best <laughs> putter in the world uh, when he was putting with mm, Innova putters. I don't know if he was. Yeah, St- I think he's got a title. Statistically, I'm not the, sure. <laughs> the best putter. In the I think world. it was Matt Bell, and I, and then you know what? <laughs> oh, and then boy, Andrew Marweed shows up, and he gets. So I'm just saying, if they work for him, I'm going to give him a shot. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely the putter. Definitely the putter. It's not the years of practice. Nope. The talent, the skill. Yeah, the raw. It's the definitely putters. the putter, which which is funny, and I think uh, I want to say it's maybe a more recent Discraft commercial. I think is it if both Paige and Missy Gannon both kind of talk about how uh, what discs that they're using and then how they um, how they always fall back on the, the yeah. stock plastic. And then I think, well, is that because they're consistent or is that because those were different? And then I, I don't know. Some of the commercials out there and this is, can be interpreted multiple crap. ways. Yes, exactly. There's a lot of different commercials. Uh, and then we know with Lone Star. Are they consistently consistent? It's the quality. Are they but are they quality of the quality? I don't know. It, it is the quality. And it's Lone Star, as many of you have seen for their commercials this last weekend, as they were graciously our presenting sponsor, of course, of the tournament, which we're going to be talking about tonight. In fact, we're going to have that chase card champion, Simon Lazat. He is just getting done with Dart League. Uh, he gave me an update uh, just a little while ago. He is on his way home from Dart League. He's just say he's going to dart home. <laughs> And he, I wouldn't say that. No, either would I, because that would be such a terrible pun. And so he's going to uh, he's going to be joining us in just a little while. I told him take his time. <laughs> if there's one thing we can do, we can fill time. So he's going to join us tonight. We're going to talk, of course, about this weekend's event, the Music City Open, which I'm going to pat myself on the back for a moment. Not once did I call the Mad City Open because Johnny congratulations and I, for the last thirty years. Almost a full 30 years have been, at least in the neighborhood of the Mad City Open, taking place in Madison, Wisconsin, very much referred to MCO. MCO. So to have an event this weekend in which I was working in in some media capacity, I'm just going to tell you it almost slipped for sure once, but I I do not think at any point I actually referred to it as the Mad City Open. So (laughs) if there's one little win I can take away, that would definitely be it. Uh, Of course, we saw some sweet action on the FPO side. In fact, Johnny, let's just jump right into recapping what we saw on the FPO side, and then uh, we'll catch up with Simon when he joins us here in a little bit. No surprise, Kristen Tatar wins. She wins by five strokes over Jen Allen and Macy Valadez. Kristen was just solid all weekend. I think she had 2,000 rated rounds. 1010 maybe even if i if i went and actually did the research and looked and bested the field there's no one could really keep up with her they're going to that final round it was i don't want to say it was a done deal because i think she only went in with a, a two or three stroke lead or deficit actually no she didn't 
Yes, she was five not leading. Five. She, I think she Holland was. Holland Hanley was leading. Oh, that's right. I Holland, promise you. Oh yeah, Holland Hanley was leading because she had a shot as a awkward. Um, but Kristen Tatar just very consistently walked away with this event. Starting at the very beginning, she started out with four pars that final round, three Which, birdies, and at that point, Holland had kind of had a problem. She ran into hole five. I mean, two and three she bogeyed, but then she ran into five where she tried some. Kind of maybe not the best move with a Scooby Scuba Scooby. I hate you know what? Just in general, I hate calling it a Scuba. Mm. I like the term pancake. Okay, just in general. Um, so there's that because that's what we always grew up and called it. Mm-hmm. But like French toast, yep, mm, yummy. Um, but anyway, so what? After Holland kind of hit hole five, it was lights out for her. Rebecca Cox shot a really nice round. She was in fourth place. Holland had ended up dropping down to fifth. Evelina Solonen has a. A solid weekend. G- decent putting. Nothing to write home about. I, I don't think she's uh, picking up postcards from Nashville and signing them and sending them home yet with the, you know, with their putting stats. But overall, really good off the tee and a solid 60 to 70% putting. I'm going to guess before you even look it up for certain, I'm... She almost always is one of the top contenders mm-hmm. for leading from tee to green. Yes. And at one point she was this weekend, so she probably finished there as well. So we all know tee to green has clearly not been her problem. She almost always is a contender in leading that category. Mm-hmm. It's just getting it done once she gets uh, closer to the basket. We see in the final round she was 64% in C1X putting. Didn't have any uh, circle two connections. I don't know if you can click on her overall profile and we can uh, drill down a little bit more. But the the Tita Green, uh, like we said, is almost always where she's leading in the strokes gain. She only had five OB strokes. Yeah, Definitely 16.89 <laughs> strokes gain Tita Green. Yeah. She lost about seven strokes putting to yeah, the field. And- but that's not bad. For well, what she's been putting up lately. Yeah. The, the problem is, though, you look at, you know, the, it's just, she still ended up being, even though her putting was better, she was still 48th in putting out of 50-something, 50 50-something mm-hmm. 50 competitors. Yeah. Clearly, her tee to green is what the, is keeping her there in contention. Yeah. She, she was 40, or I'm sorry, 53% from C1X, and uh, that put her in 43rd in mm-hmm. that category. So... It's the tale of two, you know, two stats. Yeah. The fact that she's leading, she's, she's leading in circle one regulation and she's leading in circle two in regulation. I get all that. And, but this is better. This is an improvement. Certainly. So we're, we're, we're going to look at the positive for Evelina. Of course. We're not, we're not here to harp on her. I think she's, uh, she's making well aware of her putting woes. You guys do not need to post about it. Correct. She is, she is making an effort, which is great. So ultimately congratulations, Evelina on, on getting into that top 10, which she hasn't really done recently. Um, and so maybe she can keep it. Maybe this is a good springboard into, uh, Blue Ridge, which is this weekend. And then the champions cup, because I'll tell you what, I truly believe at Champions Cup, and I don't want to get into a whole preview show on this, putting is going to be less important at Champions Cup in the grand scheme of things because the course is so wooded and long, getting to the green is going to be more important, slightly more important than putting. You still need to put the putt in. Three putting isn't going to help anybody, but 
if, if you can eliminate one of your weaknesses, it only helps you. Uh, outside of Evelina, we go seventh place. That's Missy Gannon, eighth place. Heidi Lane tied with Sarah Gilpin. Sarah Gilpin's a name we haven't really talked about this year at all. I don't know if she's really been anywhere. Well, we saw her, the, the Sarah Gilpin, after round number one. She had a very, very mm-hmm. consistent round number one. Yep. And in doing so, that put her on the lead card for round two. Mm-hmm. And obviously brought her into the conversation because the last time we saw her, uh, the la- I believe the last two times we saw her were at as a featured player at the Des Moines Challenge last yes. year. And then also what m- even more so stuck out for me was seeing her at the 2021 Worlds in Utah. Oh, sure. And, but I'm uh, talking this year in general. Yeah. We haven't really yeah. seen her. For, for certain, yes. So uh, good to see her. I mean, and then look, if you look at just even her final round, she had one bogey. Yeah. And seventeen bars, consistent. Yes, she's uh, she's not necessarily uh, getting it done with long range drive. That's clearly where she comes up short, literally and figuratively, uh, with her drives. But she also makes up for it when she's so consistent, especially on the putting green. So, uh, good, certainly good to see her again, though, this weekend. And running out the top ten is Allie Smith. Allie Smith's a DGA sponsored player. She was the what was it? The uh, amateur world champion was it last year? Two, no, two years ago? No, no, no. Two or three years ago? Now was it that long ago? Yeah, God, time flies. Um, but anyway, Ali Smith rounding out the top ten. Just uh, another name to kind of keep an eye out for. I think if Ali can stay on tour, she's got a lot of uh, she's got a lot of skills she can build upon. So she's not. Again, I've 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 seen a little bit of Ali stuff. I don't believe there's anything that really wows you about her game, other than like Sarah Gilpin, just pretty consistent, just pretty good all around. And I'll be the first to just admit this blindly here on camera. Uh, did we see Ali jump into the booth and do commentary this weekend, and maybe replace Madison for final round? And somebody can confirm. I didn't go back and watch post-production coverage, but I thought that was the case. And I'm sure there was probably a story or a reasoning to that, but if so, I don't know what it is. So you guys can, no surprise, you guys can educate us on that. But I feel like we saw Allie jump into the booth during that final round. Um, And so I'm sure some, oh, second round, Hype Man is telling us. Uh, uh, Steve is saying that I'm right. Anyway, I hopefully everything was all good, and then I guess maybe that answers the question. If Madison was back for the third round, um, then maybe it was just a matter of Madison needing a break or something of that nature. So yeah, everyone's jumping in saying that she was in there for second round. Uh, hopefully she did well. I'm gonna assume that she did, but uh, I thought I saw a picture of that. Madison had family in town. Okay, well, I I appreciate that. I just knew I saw it, and I knew that I did not know the reasoning. Uh, Madison didn't run it past you? No, no. Surprisingly, huh? Surprisingly, not. You'd you'd think I'd make her do that, but yeah. I mean, you're the originator of the two hot geese moniker. And- I know. I'm wondering, am I get? Do I get a cut? Like now that their merch is yet on another level, will I be getting some royalties and cuts from all that? Yes, that was- I would expect. That. I would wait by your mailbox for mm. for that uh, that that high percentage check. Okay, uh, I I will do just that then. Uh, in the meantime, I need to send Simon a message. Um, so FPO, uh, we also saw, uh, you know, coming out big, especially in that second round to get her in a position for the third round. Uh, Jennifer Allen doing some work out there, mm-hmm. uh, clearly battling through the conditions and what was available out there to then 
keep her putting on point, and it was uh, just great because we haven't seen her. Of course, she's been cashing and she's performing well, and she can dip into that FP40 division whenever she wants, but um, we haven't seen her work her way onto a lead card in a little while. And so to see that uh, was great this weekend as well. It it really was. And the way they... They tweaked this course from last year and the year before. They've they're always making changes. So about half the course was the same. Some of the holes were shifted number wise. Most of them were shifted number wise, and they added a few more holes. And I think where my mistake when I was previewing this course was that I didn't realize that this was going to be, I believe, such a driver friendly course mm. that that the long arms were really going to kind of work their way up. You've got Tatar, Allen, Vela Diaz, Rebecca Cox is no slouch. Mm-hmm. Holland Hanley, Evelina, Missy Gannon is like the, the, the shortest thrower. And she took uh seven, not the shortest throw in the whole division, just in our, in our top uh, few. So I think that this is one of those courses that we need to look out for in the future. If it stays this way, even though I've heard rumors that they're already going to tweak it some more and maybe add a different course, but just, let it be known that I think next year, if, if you're looking at different uh, players to pick, look for the long arms. Yeah. And the history of this event in that it has moved to so many different venues throughout the, the last eight or 10 years makes me wonder if this is exactly what we're going to see next year in terms of the same location. If they're going to continue to want to be on the on the Pro Tour, I, I think that's something we almost always take for granted, too. Of course, we have our staples on the Pro Tour, but it's such a massive undertaking that you always have to wonder, how did it go for them? How did it go for the host city? Is it for them, their club, the organization, the main TD or an assistant TD? What were all of those experiences like? And just because you see an event one year obviously doesn't guarantee that you're going to see it the next year. Even if it was successful, there's still a lot of other factors that come into play in terms of being able to host that event. Now, clearly, it sounds like they, I feel like they have a long-term play. There was a lengthy conversation about the property that's across the street that could be available to possibly work into another course. There's a lot of different things that are at play there, but... Um, to me, I always think about, wow, you pulled it off, successful or otherwise, for any given event. Do you want to do it again? Because sometimes, like, you see this after a lot of world championships, people are just spent, they're exhausted. They put their heart and soul into something sometimes for an entire year or multiple years, and then when it's done, they're like, yeah, we're not doing that again for a while. And so that, that goes to the club, that goes to the organizer. Those are do, all those types of conversations that ha- that take place. Do you think that this course as I just called it, you know, a, a, a more of a driver's course, it felt like. Do you think a lot of that had to do with maybe the conditions on rounds one and two with so much mud and rain and wetness that the players just, there were a lot of standstill shots and that maybe that helped out having the uh, a longer throw from a standstill versus maybe someone who needed to needs to run up, which because I always feel like some uh, conditions like this, I feel really hurt someone like James Conrad, sure. who, who needs the, who loves his run up who, and extended run up at that. And and my understanding is these pads were fine as long as you stepped over the mud to get on the pads. Mm-hmm. But if you track the mud on, it it could become slippery. We saw players withdraw from this event on yeah. the MPO side. There was like three or four of them because they just a they were out of contention and the weather wasn't great. 
and it was slightly, well, I don't want to say dangerous because that might be putting it a little too much, but the conditions could lead to possible injury. So I, I'm wondering if that's, if, if the power, because Jen Allen has a powerful standstill shot. Yeah. I feel like it's both power and the fact that, and Macy leaned into this from the very first day talking about at the press conference, it leans into the fact that if you have a standstill forehand as well, I mean, standstill backhand, of course, is always great, even though it's a little bit more difficult. But if you are very comfortable with your forehand, you're probably comfortable with it being a standstill shot. And that was a huge advantage out here on this course for everything you just said. You don't need the run-up. You're not slipping and sliding everywhere. So if you could stand there with a forehand, it certainly came to your advantage. In fact, Macy, and it is a little bit of a comfort thing regardless of the actual conditions, she just flat out said, she's like, I'd like to get into a position where I can always then be throwing a a forehand, Mm -hmm. you know, as a second shot. So she was had that game plan anyway. But, yeah, I feel like a, a forehand thrower had a distinct advantage out here this weekend. And that could be said of any heavily wooded course and any course when the conditions are terrible uh, because you, you reduce all those run-ups and those <laughs> slips and potential uh, issues. So, yeah, it was, um, it, was, it was a little bit wild to see because there was the conversation of mediocre to poor weather day one. And everyone kind of had this hope of, well, day two, it's it's supposed to be nicer. Day one, we may even skirt by with, with missing it. Well, it, it didn't. And then day two ended up being as bad, if not worse, than day one. And then day three, the you know the clouds and the heavens just opened uh, on, on Easter Sunday for everybody, apparently. And next thing you know, the sunshine was just abundant and absolutely beautiful out there every, every people were wearing gloves and mittens one day and then 24 hours later we're in shorts and and short sleeve shirts so it, it definitely became a little bit more typical of a beautiful spring day in in tennessee as opposed to the first couple of days what they had but that's that's spring you never in most of our states right though yeah you never know what you're gonna get you, you can't I saw some people online say things like, this, this is why you need to stay south of XYZ until May, which unfortunately doesn't make sense. You can't hover through Arizona, Texas, and Florida, maybe Mississippi for, an, for, an, for two to three full months. Yeah. So you're going to get some of these random weather occurrences. And I know the players don't love it. Me as a viewer, I kind of like to see the players struggle once in a while. I've said that about DDO. There is a, there's a limit. But playing in the wind is a skill that I want to see people have to do. And as I said, there's a limit. I don't want to see 50 to 60 mile an hour winds for three straight rounds. But if I, you know, if we got some players on the on the tee and they have to fight a 30 to 40 mile an hour gust once in a while, I get a little bit of pleasure out of that. I'm twisted, though. Yeah. Well, the the thing that I dislike about all that is then when we start pushing these four hour rounds. Yes. And, that's miserable. And, and, and really that that is to no one's advantage to have that kind of round when you're talking about the players, the staff, the camera crews, all the other media, the volunteers. Like there's there's just almost literally no one that is excited about that kind of time and uh, the length in which those rounds run. So, you know what I am, though? Uh, what are you? I'm amped up. Yeah, you are. I see what you did there. Oh, do you? I'm amped up for our guy here in the, uh, is it the Disc Baron Digital Green Room still? It certainly is. All right. The one and only, the MCO winner, Simon Lazat. 
I oh, beautiful quality. I love it. Yeah. How are you doing, buddy? Massachusetts Wi-Fi. Not doing fantastic, but no, I'm doing great. No, you look fine. We might be sending you a lower quality signal because some of our guests at times they have. Here, watch this, Simon. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Oh, look at this. Some of our guests are on the road a lot. And so we send them a crappy signal so that the Internet, they don't, you know, maybe they're at a truck stop. Maybe Sayananda was just in her car a couple weeks ago with her dad. So we send them a bad signal. But for you, we'll give you top notch signal, Simon. Only the best for you, buddy. Perfect. Thank you so much. I'm doing great. I just came home from my darts league every Tuesday and I won all my games tonight. So good start to the evening. Actually, I'm going to bed soon. How many weeks is dart league? Like when did dart league start and when does it finish? Does it finish? it (laughs) It started in February and I think we have like three or four weeks left. Okay. But I'm not I'm not the right guy to ask that. I, I show up on Tuesday, and that's about as far as that goes. Uh, are these these are like pre-selected friends or teams? Or was there a draft? Like how how did you how how did you get to be with the people you're with? Oh, let's get into darts. I like it. I sure. like talking about darts way more than yeah, disc golf yeah, anyway, disc so golf. that's perfect. We can, we'll you get can talk to, disc, to disc, golf. disc golf with anybody. Like yeah. who cares? I know. Yeah. So. I've been playing darts probably for about a decade now, just on a very like just hobby level. Um, the darts in Europe is like huge, huge. I don't know if you've ever watched like a pro darts tournament, but it's a full on party. It's so fun to watch. I've never been actually to a real game in person, but even the like the TV um, streams and everything, they figured out how to stream darts. It's like it's such a it's such a killer broadcast. And uh, I'm a huge fan of all the pros. So I started playing in, in Germany when I still live back there. And almost like every other bar will have a darts board, probably. And darts is growing really, really fast now. So when I got to the America, yeah, in some bars you find darts. But for some reason, there's no real... I mean, there's a handful, but not really. Professional darts in America, it's not really a thing, which is kind of strange because I feel like darts should be like such an American game, but it really isn't for some reason. So I saw zero darts in Massachusetts or anywhere near me. And I kind of was very always sad about that. There wasn't like a dart scene here until I once got a message from a man named Ray Carver, who is apparently a darts legend in the u.s like one of the top 10 players from like back in the 90s uh, maybe even before that and he's now a disc golf fan and he reached out to me and asked me for a signed disc in exchange for one of his signed sets of darts and he told me he used to live in massachusetts so i was like hey maybe he's my in to the darts team here and he gave me the contact to kirsten and she is like the darts person in new england basically she has all the connections she sets everything up she runs tournaments and i found out that basically new england is the biggest darts scene in america and especially massachusetts it's everywhere you just got to know where to look so i played like a pumpkin tournament like in halloween something where like i don't know how many people were there but i ended up getting second place and everyone was like who the hell is this guy? <laughs> I, I beat some like 
known players in Massachusetts. We're all on amateur level. Like there's there's no money involved. We pay like twenty bucks entry, and the winner gets maybe a hundred dollars or something. So it's like super basic and fun. But uh, everyone was like looking at me and asked, talking to me, and I was like, yeah, I, you know, I'm a disc golfer, and I moved here five years ago, and I I love darts, and this is my first ever like event I'm playing, and I was looking for a darts league, and then. I think there's like A, B, C, D, E, F, G league with like multiple teams each league, kind of like the New England uh, Disc Golf Team Series. So many teams, so many bars have darts leagues, and uh, they stuck me straight into the A league um, <laughs> on a really cool team in a bar that was only like nine minutes from my house. Um, really, really, really cool place, and I met some. Now friends, I mean, they're all in their fifties and, uh, just darts nerds. It's kind of funny. And I fit right in. We meet every Tuesday evening, have a beer, throw some darts and they all care way more than I do. Cause I have other things to worry about, <laughs> but I'm pretty competitive when it comes to, uh, darts and pool as well. And I actually played a huge darts tournament up in Lemonster here just like three weeks ago, I think. I was shaking, nervous. There were like over a hundred people. Um, I didn't play very well, unfortunately, but I was mind blown. There were like 30 dartboards in this huge hall. It was a really cool experience for me. And yeah, now for one and a half years, I've been part of this darts league and now my team's leading and we're about to go to the state playoffs. And if we win the state playoffs, we go then to the nationals. And if we win that, we like, can go international to like England and stuff and play for like actual money. It's, I don't really get it, but I know that we're like a really good team now. How, how, first of all, you have to be somewhat, like you said, when you go to this event, you have to be frustrating to them because you're the equivalent, right? Of, of some guy showing up with the local grocery bag with three discs and then being on the lead card. Like, so, you know, you're the equivalent of showing up to the, to the, the dart, event or the dart tournament and everyone's like who the hell is this guy no why is he so good and why have we never heard of him before so yeah my and question go ahead so i just want a uh, slight different tangent real quick i played a pool tournament uh two <laughs> weeks ago uh, on sunday right before uh nashville every sunday at my at the pool hall here they have a nine ball tournament which I haven't been to in like two or three years. I don't know why. For some reason, Sundays are always busy. <laughs> but um, I ended up going because I, I got some free time. And I made it all the way to the finals. And after, and like people were coming up to me like, who are you? Like you beat <laughs> like semi-pros at pool. I was like, oh, I'm nobody. I was getting really lucky rolls this, today. And I really was. I was getting stupidly luck, uh, okay. lucky shots. It's been embarrassing, but uh, I mean, always to the finals, and the guy in the finals is like one of the best freaking players on the East Coast. I think he looked like freaking like a mega pro, but uh, he he murdered me. I had no chance. I was also way, way too tired and exhausted. But yeah, it's not like I'm like mega talented in those things. Like you have no idea how much I practice pool and darts. It's it's quite sad. It, do the do the folks at your darts league understand your position in disc golf like do, do they know your, your your new contract do they know that you just won a, a huge elite series event do they, I mean do they can you even explain to them what an elite series event is are they kind of just like all right 
Okay, cool. All right, Frisbee boy, get yeah. up and throw your darts. <laughs> Come <please>. on. <laughs> you need a triple 19 and a triple um, 20. Finish her out, buddy. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I feel like they act like they care. I don't think anyone really knows what's going on or what, what means. Um, I mean, disc golf is getting pretty big, so I think most of them know about the game. They've maybe played once or twice before. We We definitely talk about it every now and then. And if I tell them, oh, I just had a great week and I won or I finished top 10, then they'll give me a fist bump, but I don't think they, they really understand. Uh, I'm totally fine with that. I don't need them to understand. Yeah. yeah. D- does does your dart stroke look like your putting stroke? Because I remember sitting at GBO after hours watching all these pros play darts. It was like Yuli and Ricky and, and all the guys. And I w- was watching them and, and half of them, I was like, that's their same stance they take for putting. Like almost all of them, they, they get the same you know, other than Ricky, who did who didn't do a straddle between his legs for the for the dart, but a lot of them looked. I was like, yeah, that's just a modified version of your putt. Do you, can you see that in your dart throwing? I would say it probably translates a bit. I I've never really broken down my putt too much because I think that would mess with my mind while I'm putting. I don't really want to think about what's going on. And same kind of same with darts. I just stand there and chuck it at the board and. Just always act like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Fake it till you make it. Uh, yeah. At what level, and, and this is, I know this is a pretty big what if, but what is the level of tournament that you would be okay with skipping if you actually got to a nationals or international event with your with your dart team? I mean... Would you skip mm. returning to Des Moines if you guys are playing for a title in England or have the chance? Would you would you skip? I'll just I use Des Moines. I mean, you happened to win there last year, but would you skip an event if if given that big of an opportunity? Probably not. Probably not. I don't know. It's honestly the darts turn of the big darts turn I played here a couple of weeks ago kind of put a little damper on my darts career or ambitions. Um, a darts tournament is weird because you have all these people and you have a limited amount of boards and you also need boards that are open for like warm up and practice. And some matches are really fast. if like really good players play. And if like kind of crappy players play, a match might take like 20, 30 minutes. <laughs> so it could be that you play one game of darts like best of three they play which is over in five minutes usually and then you sit for like an hour until your next game and then you play another five minutes and if you win Mm -hmm. you sit maybe for another 30 minutes until your next game so i got there and i I found the whole thing way too slow Mm -hmm. kind of boring and if you lose you're out and then you got to wait like four hours till the next competition starts Mm. and i don't know the whole the whole thing was kind of like all these guys were like too serious about darts. I just wanted to go and have fun. And they were all there to like do business, <laughs> even though they're all amateurs. It didn't really make sense to me. Uh, and then that probably opens yourself up, you know, these long waits in between that might, that might be a little too easy to, to step up to the bar once or twice, which only is probably going to hurt your chances more. Right. I, I see that as a problem. It's easy if you sit suddenly for three hours and your two, three beers, and then you get up and got to throw darts on the millimeter precisely. Yeah, it's tricky sitting there for eight hours for a tournament, and yeah, you got to pace yourself. I mean, and, I think that's part of the game. 
And clearly, uh, and clearly, the the money doesn't appear to really be there either. I mean, do you sense it in disc golf? Where, I mean, you can play all these different scales of tournaments: A, B, C tiers, Elite Series, whatever. And there's all sorts of money that can be won, but is is it kind of all or nothing? You're either really big time in darts, or you're not making anything. Is it kind of an all or nothing almost? Well, in America, I would say. The tournament I played was one of the biggest tournaments of the year in Massachusetts in darts. And that was like of a level of like a seat here in disc golf. So oh, oh wow. America is like really behind on professional darts, but um in Europe I don't know too much about the darts scene specifically and how how it works, but once you get to higher levels in darts, you're you're gonna be like a multimillionaire. All right. Johnny yeah. Johnny's done some research here thanks to Google. I, I yes. Uh I quickly did some research. The winner of the World Darts Championship, twenty twenty three, five hundred thousand pounds. Five hundred. Um and runner, pounds is more than the dollar. Okay, Mr. Bank. <laughs> no, I'm just uh, run, runner up is two hundred thousand. Semifinalist uh, takes a hundred thousand. Quarterfinals fifty thousand. The last sixteen is thirty five thousand. Third round twenty five. Second round fifteen. First round seven point five thousand pounds. Seventy five hundred pounds. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, so, getting to the world championships is big tough. Deal. <laughs> I, okay. Yeah, I would imagine I, it and they're they're playing cricket at this world championship right that's no 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 501 oh it's 501 okay that cricket only exists in america really jinx yeah um huh and you love they played it they probably played in europe too but i've never seen it on tv like it's not a professional game it's just 501 huh how often do they miss? Five on like, one, double out. That's the game. How how often do they miss? Like at some point, it feels like. I mean, it feels like it's it's you. It's a board. There's no defense. And the the highlights I've watched, and granted, they are highlights. It's always like triple, triple, triple. Your turn. The guy walks up. Triple, triple, triple. Your turn. Triple, triple. Oh, so he barely missed. And it's like, oh, it looks like he's gonna lose tonight, Frank. It's like, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I just. Yeah, they definitely. Well, you you watch the highlights of the best players in their best moments, so that's what it's going to look like. And I can see how that will give you a weird idea. But no, games get very, very intense, very interesting. They miss super important clutch moment shots, and sometimes they make insane clutch moment shots. Like any sport, really, it goes it goes back and forth. Underdogs sometimes beat the total favorite, Um, but there is those three to five guys that always kind of end up on the top. Those are just like total robots, machines. Unbelievable, in my opinion. Those guys are so freaking good. And actually, the current world champion, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this on a different podcast before, but the current world champion, Michael Smith is his name. He's from the UK. He follows me on Instagram, and he actually followed me on Instagram before I even followed him on Instagram um, because he said during the pandemic... Uh, like in lockdowns and his hotel rooms, he was bored going through YouTube and like a Jomez video popped up and he's never played disc golf, but he said he gained the game super into it, like watching disc golf. And uh, I was one of his favorite players. So I was like, so starstruck when I went to his, 
I once went to his Instagram because I wanted to check if he posted something about an incident that happened during, during a tournament. And then on his profile, it said, follow back. And that was one of the most intense moments of my life where I was like, what? My freaking darts idol follows me and I didn't even know it. Um, so that was pretty cool, pretty special. And we've talked back and forth many times. He had the best season of his life last year. And uh, I had the best season of my life last year. And we were like messaging back and forth. We won a couple tournaments actually on the same weekend, which was kind of awesome. And one of my dreams right now is to do a Beyond Disc Golf episode in the UK and do a little side story with darts and hopefully have him on the show. That would be the darts world champion. That would be so cool for me to like play a leg of darts against him. Is, is there, are there plans already for next season of beyond disc golf? Have you guys talked about season two? Yeah, we have, we've talked, we've had a meeting about it. There's, um, Joma is actually on their Patreon did like a contest of give us suggestions for new locations, new courses, new stories. And Joma has just sent me a list with like almost a hundred new places potentially. And they asked me to do like a top 10, top three of where I want to go. So things are moving. We are trying to figure out when to shoot. Um, we all agreed that we loved the show and the feedback we got was beyond <laughs> positive and um, people want more. So I personally feel like it might be worth it to go for it again and it is fun i mean the team i had behind me there just awesome times like the three weeks we shot for the three episodes were three of the funnest weeks i've had all year last year um and yeah if we can do some international trips to some places no one's really heard of with some cool backstories i think disc golf needs it and i i want to be part of it i guess that kind of can segue into a, a maybe a common question you get is where, where are you when it comes to your own personal content right now in terms of when you plan to make stuff, you know, what's on your back burner, what's not, when do you plan to put the focus um, into stuff? Like what, what's kind of your game plan is knowing it's going to change probably, but what's kind of your loose game plan with content for your own channel? Yeah. The weeks I'm home, I'm trying to, make one or two videos a week if I possibly can. It all depends like if the baby is sick or if Natalia is sick or how I'm feeling. There's, I mean, and the weather of course here in New England is always a bit unpredictable. Right now we have like the best week of April ever. It's going to be like in the eighties this week. Mm -hmm. So uh, I really hope to get a video on this week. Of, of course, to talk about my week in Nashville and to give some updates on the whole MVP switch because man, people are eating it up so far. It's been like, extremely fun. Um, I often don't really know what to say because it's just too overwhelming how, how into it people are. It's, it's pretty amazing. This whole, the whole last three months have been quite the, quite the experience. Do you feel like you've, and maybe it's just me, and my personal stigma of MVP, do you feel like you've broken any stigma as far as the stability of the discs? Because that that was one of the knocks on MVP for a while was that they didn't necessarily have anything that was stable enough for our top pros. And I think even you ran into that when you first threw the discs, when your first blogs, you were like, wow, I, you know, I need to find something that fits. 
you've clearly found out whether you've been able to make adjustments or whether you found the right discs. How have you, how has that gone for you? Yeah, well, first of all, anyone who knows MVP's lineup is that there's many, many options and the putters are phenomenal. The mid ranges are my favorite I've ever thrown and fairway drivers, phenomenal distance drivers was this one slot like 11 and up um they don't even have a 12 speed which is pretty strange considering all the other companies that's like their number one seller um so like 13 and the 14 speeds were what i was working with and it took me weeks to like find the right ones and now the white disc with the black rim that i'm throwing is the dimension and it even though the rim is borderline too thick for me, I have pretty long, long fingers, big hands, so I, I can manage. But stability-wise, that disc is like right on the money for me. I can throw it just dead straight, and it's a 14-speed, and it's so consistent for me. And then the delirium is kind of the little brother to that that has a little bit of flip up to it or for rollers and stuff. But no, I... The first week, I instantly knew that I was not going to have an issue. I was slightly worried about distance drivers, but, uh, you know, I don't know if you, you know Brad and Chad, the two owners. They're, they're masterminds, and the, we'll, we'll work together and figure everything out that if, we, if there's still um, some open <laughs> slots that I need filled, we'll figure it out. We're, we're working on stuff already. It just takes... You guys know how discs are made. It takes forever to make a new disc. <laughs> and you, you say that they don't even have a 12-speed, and I kind of chuckle at that thinking, who's 12-speed? We all know that every there's no there's no true, like, this is a 12-speed driver. Your 13-speed yeah. might be equivalent to a 12-speed of something else. And, uh, you know, flip a coin. Yeah, the benchmarks aren't exactly there. Correct. I mean, no one's asked me to throw them yet, and I, <laughs> I judge them. <laughs> yeah. Well, MVP always... MVP really wants to be different. They don't want to do anything like anyone else. They want to do it their own way. And that's what they're going to do. I've learned that real fast. And everything that I didn't know about the company at first, like now all makes sense. Like why they do what and how they approach everything. It's like, it all makes sense. They just want to do it different. They want to do it their own way. They didn't copy anything from anyone. And they just, they think they make the best product. And so far I can't really disagree. Uh, and I, I think that, you know, without getting too far into the weeds, but uh, many years ago, there was always that question of the overmold technology and, and the two separate pieces of plastic. And, you know, I, I, at no point did I ever see MVP claim that they were the first cause, and they weren't. Uh, we had yeah. seen that done by Odyssey or the Quest AT disc. We saw that done uh, by Innova in some capacity. Uh, you know, Latitude at one point dabbled in it and essentially discontinued doing that with their molds. So it's not like it's, you know, uh, completely revolutionary in that sense, but clearly they're the ones that are banking on it and continuing to push it forward more than anyone else. Do you think, whether it's what you're doing or just what MVP in general is doing with their success, do you think it's going to maybe kind of quietly nudge or or encourage anyone else behind the scenes to be like, hey, may maybe we should be dabbling more in this, or maybe we should revisit that topic. Do you think we're going to see that by any other manufacturers? 
Um, I don't know. Well, I mentioned, I think it was you actually that interviewed me at the time in Vegas when I talked about the robot. You were there, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think I'm still working on that, by the way. Things are moving slowly mm-hmm. but surely. Um, if we can build this throwing robot and we can have it throw exactly the same twice in a row and we can prove that gyro flies, I don't care how much further, like I, let it be 1%, let it be 10%, whatever. Um, I think then we'll see something. But other than that, I think to the human eye, you can't really, really feel a difference. Do, do you feel like whether it's it's MVP that helps make this happen or or any other entity maybe that wants to challenge it, do you feel like we should see another distance competition soon? And I and I know the like Wiggins and the breaking the world record isn't maybe even the concern because that was such a unique you know day and, and situation. But just in general, get the top ten distance throwers, MPO and FPO. Put them out in a in some kind of legitimate contest, and who would that benefit the most? Maybe is the best question. Hard to say. I mean, I've dreamt about the way I would like to see a distance contest is at night with floodlights. Um, I've talked to Jonathan from Jomez a couple times about this that we want to make it happen. Um, is that because of air think, density or is that what, like, what, what's the logic to, I think it will be easier to film. Oh, okay. I think it's easier to film because in floodlights, everything is way easier to see. Okay. I think if we have like a golf driving range that has uh, obviously lit up and then behind the throwers, we have like some bleachers for, I don't know, like 200 people and uh do it in texas maybe dallas and getting 200 people to watch 10 top 10 distance throwers would be super easy and get two or three drones out there get some super hype commentators out there get some good music i think we got something there it might be a great it might be a good broadcast might be worth it financially Mm -hmm. to uh, rent out the driving range to light it up for two nights i mean i think i think there's there, there's a there's a fun concept there to be had with a, a driving competition, and then there's also, as I think maybe Terry was alluding to, a true distance competition like we used to have at in the desert. Being that, as we know, no one may ever break Wiggins' record; it just might never happen. But it is kind of that was years ago, and I think there is some value in players that maybe want to see who the furthest throwing players are now. Is it still double G? Is it still Wiggins? Does Gannon Burr step up? Does, you know, I I don't necessarily know if you would participate these days with your elbow, but you know, Mm -hmm. I I think there could be, and for manufacturers, there's obviously going to be some advantages there because everybody wants to say, we've got the furthest throwing player on the planet right now, whether it's a world record or not, we don't care. But right now, so-and-so throws further than everybody else. I think, I think there could be a lot of fun there. And, and, some advantages to maybe manufacturers to make it happen. All right. Yeah. Sounds like you're, uh, you're in I charge. Know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> if I can't throw, I still want to be part of it somehow. Maybe as a you're the hype side man. commentator or the hype. I'm not sure I'm a great hype man, but I could be like, 
maybe analyzing some throws or technique or I don't know, you know, something I yeah. could do maybe be the DJ. No, that's Kevin Jones. <laughs> but, um, I don't know. Maybe I'll be freaking cameraman. I don't care. I want to be there. Just you want to be there. You just want to be there. Uh, well, speaking of, uh, equipment, uh, have you, have you, how much research have you put into the amp that you're going to be purchasing? Um, I think I Googled best amp and that's okay. as far as I went. And I scrolled through some answers and it was a bunch of numbers and letters next to the amp name. And I was like, okay, I'm done for now. Uh, okay. All right. But an amp is absolutely in the cards so that you, you can plug in your trophy guitar and you can play it. I don't think you're going to wait too long for that to happen. Oh, okay. I right, bet you. Right. I bet you it's a video in the next video two coming. to three weeks. I smell a video coming. Uh, so maybe three days. Uh, I do want to touch on real quick because this was talked about in your uh, in your conversation with Perks as you were closing out uh, for the tournament and the win. It, you know, it was kind of understated, maybe a little, but you're you're leaning toward the idea, and you you referenced it. You're leaning toward the idea of getting out of the weather that Massachusetts offers. And oh yeah, and uh, you know you've been there for five years, and you like the idea of playing disc golf year round. Obviously, we've seen a large shift of people kind of migrate into you know the Florida area, uh, various parts of Florida, or Arizona, or Arizona. Yep, including you know Macbeth, who's obviously moved down there, and and Waisaki mentioned Florida at one point, but then settled on Arizona. You know, like you said. What what how how quick and how serious is that for you? That idea of moving. I'm struggling to answer that because I've been thinking about it for at least two years, and yeah. I always thought, okay, well, next off season I'm going to do it. Okay, next off season I'm going to do it. Um, now I feel like we're in a position where we more realistically could do it financially, and because Natalia quit her job. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes more sense now than it has ever before in the last five years. Um, but no, I meant, I wish there was like a perfect place, but I think everyone knows like no matter where you go in the world, there's pros and cons. And, uh, (laughs) yeah, I, I mean, I, I've been thinking about it for literally two years. And as I said before that going on Zillow, is like my favorite thing to do and looking at neighborhoods and houses. And I go, of course, to a disc and check all the courses that are near. And Charlotte is obviously the obvious answer um, for that checks most boxes. But for some reason, Tampa is not leaving my head. Like it, mm. I feel like, I feel like Tampa checks every box except for hot summers and then hurricane season and bugs but i think those three are the only real issues with tampa like it has a phenomenal airport right yeah yeah good airport phenomenal airport yep do they have darts great disc golf scene and disc golf courses Mm -hmm. like as good as it gets off season weather and then Ken Klimo lives there. Calvin Heimberg lives there. Paul just bought a course 45 minutes from there. And it's freaking paradise. I mean, if you live in the suburbs of Tampa, you can be in a super safe place. There's literally a place called Paradise Island right off of Tampa. <laughs> I think there's a place called New Suburb Beautiful. 
<laughs> I think, or something along those lines. Something with beautiful in it. And I was like, man, I want to live in beautiful. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, that, that, as Johnny joked about, and Hannah, I'll, I'll combine Johnny and Hannah's comment, where, like, uh, first of all, do you care about the dart scene when you get there? And then second of all, as Hannah put it on the board, she's like, when you go places, do people be like, hey, man, you should come check out the dartboards at such and such bar in my area. Like, do you get some of that from time to time? Just like golfers always say, hey, man, you got to come to our local course. It's like so awesome. Come check out our dartboards. Do you get that? No, no dartboards are... Uh... <laughs> Pretty universally the same. <laughs> well, no. Do Do you have a preference? Do you Do you oh, prefer yeah. the electronic or do the old school cork boards? Oh, yeah. his his dartboard is. I was going to ask you earlier. Break that, down I, for Johnny your dartboard. Terry told me about your dartboard, but break it down. Yeah. Like Johnny, that was around. like the most that was the most noob question I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> ouch! Ouch! I like cork <laughs> boards. I think they're funny. Darts? No, yeah. no, 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 no electronic, no, no electronic darts. For this darts. Guy. All right. No. Because it, no, it's you don't only... want to throw a dart and every fist throw it bounces back at you. I I agree. I I agree. But I'm I'm just <laughs> no. I'm just saying. You know, Ouch. electronic darts is fun when you're too drunk to count. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you've heard. Yeah, I've heard. Yeah, I, I don't drink. But <laughs> no, I have a really cool setup. I I believe it is NASA technology. I don't know if I'm just saying that or if that's actually true. But I I've heard it. And it's basically three cameras you set up around your dartboard that all point towards the middle. And you set up an iPad or a computer or whatever. And it sends everything, all the pictures to your little computer. And it counts for you. It keeps all your stats. You can play other people online. They have a new tournament mode now. I think for a month it's been out now. It's called Scolia. Scolia. Okay. I've, I've seen another thing called Dart C, S-E-E, where it, you have cameras set up and it registers with AI basically exactly where you hit and all these mm. other things. Yeah, it's Matt, probably Matt, different. Turned you, but, but, Matt from the Nick and Matt show turned you on to this, didn't yeah. he? Was is that what you told me or no? Didn't he, does no, he it's a totally European thing. I oh, saw it okay. in some Dart's video. Okay. Um, I follow Dart's YouTubers and stuff. So. Of course, yeah. I'm, yeah. Of course. I mean, would. I'm the Dart's nerd. <laughs> Uh, yeah, your setup is 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 absolutely insane, and I remember seeing it last year. Who's the last person on tour to beat you at darts? Oh, like nobody. I don't think it's ever happened. Okay, I, because we have a lot of guys on tour that talk a lot of smack about a lot of games. It doesn't matter. You yeah, ask, I don't think you, you ask Yuli, hmm. he'll beat you at anything. Yeah, let's be honest. Yeah, <laughs> I've I've played with Yuli. I he has no chance in darts. He can beat me at pool every now and then, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah darts it's not close i think wow this brings me all the way back to japan open 2015 where i played with ricky and he might have beat me back then but that was also before i was like in the league and taking it more seriously okay. so so ricky is yeah. awesome at everything as well yeah I, exactly okay. that's okay. yeah cause, and to be fair as johnny was just alluding to you occasionally do get beat at pool i mean you're good at pool yeah and you enjoy yeah. playing but you're not you're not quite as proficient at pool per se as you are at darts um i would say there's definitely way more good pool players in the world than or at least sure. in the u.s than there are good darts players so i guess the comparison doesn't really um fit perfectly but compared to a professional I would say I'm better at pool than I am at darts hmm. because the pros are just 
on a way different level in darts. Like I'm not close. In pool, I could maybe win a break or, or two here and there. But I mean, I would lose every time to a pro in pool, obviously. I have no chance, but in darts, I think it's almost worse. <laughs> okay. But compared to the average player, I'm probably better at darts, yeah. Huh. He managed to get past me in a couple games. I'm sure he did. It was, we were close. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just had to make him feel good. I was at his house. And, I understand, Terry. You know, it's, it's just respectful to beat a man that is so passionate. I, don't fo- <laughs> I follow zero YouTubers, dart YouTubers. You know how embarrassing that would be if I were to beat him and he's talking about the number one dart player in the world? follows him on Instagram, he'd have to report that back, and that would be embarrassing. You know what? Actually, about me, I love getting beat because <laughs> okay. that's the only way you learn is by being <laughs> by being crushed. That's the best lesson in life. So uh, we'll carry that right into you learn nothing this weekend then because you beat everybody and no lessons to be learned. Is that Was that what happened? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I would put it like that. It was... Potentially the weirdest feeling win I've ever had. You would think you'd be used to this. Honestly, like... Yeah, I mean, I think I said the same thing after everyone last year. <laughs> well, um, not, not only have you come back f- as the whole stat, but you and Macbeth and Climo from the chase card, but just a few weeks ago, you were in this exact same position. Gannon Burr was charging. You were sitting in the... Uh, at, at In Austin, you were sitting waiting to see what was going to happen. That time Gannon mm-hmm. got you. This time he didn't. Is I mean... This is almost old hat to you now. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, it was a bit different. I think this weekend, Gannon had to birdie out to tie. Mm-hmm. And I think in Austin, he had to get like a birdie or he just didn't have to bogey the last hole. I think that was the situation. So, yeah, but a bit different, but... I guess it was kind of similar feeling though, where I finished the round, not really ever thinking that I was in contention to win, but it just happened to be in, in Nashville that I, I won. I mean, I was just looking at the last three holes in off in uh, Nashville. 16 is a must get 17 for the top guys is a probably get and 18 is basically a must get. Uh, you just got to throw it really far off the tee. And then from there, it's a pretty, pretty simple up and down for birdie. So, I uh, as I tapped out, I thought, okay, I gotta go warm up for for a playoff. That was basically my mindset. And then, I mean, it would have happened if Gannon's disc would have landed a foot next to where it landed, probably. But who knows? It's you know, things happen. Yeah, it would have, could have, should have. My 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 first question is: Have you thought about playing better earlier in the weekend? So that it's not so or the front nine or better on the front nine. Yeah, better. There you go. <laughs> Have you thought about I've been that? A back nine kind of guy. Mm. <laughs> I don't know what you mean by that, but I do want to say that it's not just me. If you look across the board on the scorecards, mm-hmm. everyone on the two courses in Austin and Nashville, the back nine was way more scorable than the front nine on both courses. So give me that at least. But no, I agree. I just always think back to this famous interview that this college football player did years ago, maybe in a decade ago, where he said, you can finish slow. You know, you can finish, you can start slow and that's okay, but you always finish fast. No matter the scoreboard, you always finish fast. Okay. So I just uh, go by that. Do you, do you think that for, for the longest time, 
there was this, and maybe there still is, this shadow of Paul McBath when he's behind you. McBeast. Everybody was always scared for years. Oh, McBath is in striking distance. You know, he's on, he's on the second card. Just that, needs to hit McBeast mode. Just needs to get into McBeast mode. Do you think you're maybe starting to get that same... You're a different person. You have a different attitude than Paul. You you come off differently. But do you think the other players are looking at you now like, Jesus, Simon's... What if Lazat goes off? What if Lazat goes off in the back nine? Like, he's on the chase card. He could win. Like, do you think there's a fear there yeah. from players? Or do you, do you not feel like you present that type of personality? I would absolutely not compare it to Paul Macbeth. But I would definitely say that there is a respect, maybe not a fear, but definitely a pretty common knowledge that it's possible <laughs> for any of the top 10 players to just birdie out at any point. Um, I, I don't see myself in a special position there. Like I would, I would put Paul in a special position. Um, I would put myself in a special position if I was up against, like last year in Des Moines, for example, Robert Burridge, where he's like someone who hasn't won before, someone who just got on the scene, doesn't really know. We don't know too much about him. Like, I think in that position when he was leading with like four with four to go, then I was definitely I was definitely in his head. Like Paul Macbeth would be in my head if I was in his position. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> ready to pop the question. The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Was there anything about this course when you got to the back? Obviously, you said it plays easier, and we can see that by the stats. But, you know, talk about the idea of like, oh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling good. I could birdie out. I mean, you said it. You didn't have anything outside of a 20-footer. So clearly everything just had to be firing on all cylinders. Was was that ever creeping into your mind? Like, yeah, maybe I'll just birdie out. Yeah, I mean, I was with Nick Carl, and Nick Carl is he's a veteran disc golfer as well. He's been playing for at least 10 years. He's a 1,000-rated player. He was constantly checking scores and was totally aware of everything. And um, I'm not really someone who constantly checks scores, but I was so far back that I was like, oh, whatever. I'll, I'll look through the leaderboard a bit and see what's possible. And I think it was after hole 10 where uh, I just had two pars in a row after a bogey on eight. So I was kind of like in a little slump during my round. And I think I just said to him like, well, if I birdie out now, I can still get a top three. So I'm going to try and do that. <laughs> and then I think every hole we went on, we just kept like looking at each other and just like kind of smiling like, oh, okay. And then the further we got to hole like 17, 
Well, and then Nick was like, bro, I, I think you you might win if you birdie 18. And I was like, no, dude, like, shut up. Don't make me nervous. Like, I don't want to think about that. I was just going to say it's the worst caddy. Nick Carl, 10 years you've been doing this. That's the last thing you say to somebody. <laughs> well, Nick was just so much. I think I, I knew, of course, that I might win. I'm not, I'm not dumb. I've been doing this forever as well. But I was t- constantly talking myself into, I'm not winning. I have no chance to win. Mm-hmm. Just so I keep mm-hmm. this mentality going that I'm just playing to maybe try and get a top three. I'm not in contention. I don't need that pressure. Um, but no, I knew if you look at my last shot on 18, actually my upshot, I reset like two or three times on that upshot because like you don't really see on camera on how sloped that is, but my legs were like barely carrying me to my desk at that point. I was so nervous. Um, I'm so happy. I just freaking parked that. I didn't have to make a putt freaking pinned it. That was such a clutch shot. (laughs) Oh, it, it looked so easy on camera, but in the moment, it felt like the hardest shot I've ever thrown. Uh, but no, Nick was the whole time in his head like, oh my God, if he's going to win, he's going to win. And I was like, there's no chance I'm winning. There's no chance I'm winning. So we were going a bit back and forth there on the messages we were sending each other. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's understandable. It, it's uh, Clearly, you're putting more pressure on yourself, right? If you're thinking about, well, if I just do this and if I just do that, and if I just keep doing this, like you're just constantly putting that pressure. So almost trying to talk yourself out of it or, or really, you know, reduce that pressure, I think makes perfect sense in what you're doing out there. Uh, I think I annoyed the lead card, which is great, yeah. um, which is exactly what you want to do when you're on face card or third card, even like if you're on the lead card, you don't want to have to be paying attention to people that are not playing with you. Mm-hmm. And if you look on UDisc and you see this stupid Simon name, just birdie, 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 like just stop. Like I, I don't <laughs> want to deal with this on top of the stress that you already have to deal with what's around you. So uh, I think just that fact that I was not on their card helped me a lot. I mean, you kind of uh, almost exactly said what Gannon Burr said, I believe after day two, where he said, I, I do want to get in the other players' heads. And he, he didn't mean like, oh, I'm you know going to call him on a petty footfall, as in, I want to be playing to the point where somebody else has to take notice, you know, or somebody else is thinking, man, this guy's on fire or whatever. But he said those words. He goes, I want to get in the other players' heads. And that's exactly, you just described, that's exactly what you did. You had to have gotten in their heads as they're all like looking and seeing what you were doing. Um, what, what a weird pressure too, you know, like you well, said, cause you're worried about the people you're playing against, you know, Oh, you know, so-and-so just missed that putt. I, I've got a stroke there, but I have to, f- I have to think that for so long, we haven't seen people come off chase cards decades. It feels like. And now recently, so if you were on the lead card, it was kind of like you looked at the three guys next to you and you're like, cool, one of us is going home with this trophy. That is gone. That idea has to be eliminated. There has to be a different feeling now that that the lead card has like, oh, cool. It's not just us guys. There's the guys back there and maybe even two cards back. (laughs) You don't know, depending on how compressed these scores get. It's a different mentality now to be on the lead card. It's not that same it almost felt a little, I don't want to say relaxed because it wasn't, but you knew your competition. You could watch them. That's, it's not the case anymore. Simon's approved. I mean, I, it's different from player to player, but of course, but 
I think a lot of players would agree with the statement. It's better to be in second place, a stroke or two behind the leader at the beginning of the last round mm -hmm. than it is to be in first place ahead one or two. Because you want to be the chase or you don't want to be the chase. I mean, some people like being the chase, uh, the chase but I think that's minority. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> my wife is uh, carrying a bunch of dishes into the kitchen now, trying not to spill. Good job. Um, are they? Are, wait, wait. Yeah, are they yours? Are they your dishes? Did you leave them out from earlier today? Is Natalia? Um, is she cleaning up after you? Of course. <laughs> oh God, you're no! So um, you're the worst. Jeez. <laughs> Uh, my train of thought oh yeah okay and and now it's like the top 10 is all within freaking four strokes so being on chase card i would say is an advantage now than being on the lead card because it's way less pressure often less gallery um you don't have to deal with the jomez thing i mean of course you're on gatekeeper but those are slightly different levels and being the last group to tee off has just a different feeling I don't want to throw any shade at Jomez, but does it matter anymore? We have live. You have, we have three live cameras on the lead card, the Jomez guys who are also doing live. You've got two to three cameras now, a minimum of two cameras on the chase card, and then probably a roamer. I mean, you have still have cameras in your face. Does it really, does it, is it still in your head as to far as who's filming you behind that lens? If it's, if it's Joey Tamale versus uh, Derek Skull, like to me, <laughs> And I, I mean, no, the, the cameramen don't matter, <laughs> but I think that if you go on Jomez, that's obviously still a huge status. Thing sure. Disc golf. I, I'm just thinking like that to me feels so secondary and obviously I'm not there. So I'm, I, I rely on what you guys say versus the live because you're the, the cameras are there regardless of who's where it's going. The cameras are there. So, but I mean, if you, if you're telling me that True. it's less pressure, and I don't want to get in your head next time, so don't listen to me, yeah, Simon. Don't let Johnny V mess you. <laughs> I'm no Nick Carl here, but uh, uh, I just I just find it funny that in today's day and age, there's there is still that thought. So if you if you say there is, I I have I trust. Well, you. let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Imagine there's no cameras on Chase or Lead Card, and you're at a tournament and you're three back, but you're on Chase Card. Do you feel less pressure or more pressure? than if you would be on lead card being three back. I think it depends who's on my card, honestly. Because if Paul McBeth's on my card, okay. I mean, that's, but in general, you're right, because Paul's probably on the lead card. So, <laughs> But in general, you're right. There's going to be less pressure on that second card because probably less gallery. Although, you're a name now. Well, You've been no, a name just for a long for the time. Fact, <laughs> I know. The, the players matter, of course, but just for the fact that you're not lead card makes a difference. Even though sure. I believe that. Uh, what yeah. I want to look at, and this obviously feels eerily similar, which is why I actually clicked a few more buttons to back up my point. Oof. Last year, <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to read this off for you. 60th, 35th, 6th, 2nd, and then 1st and 1st. That That's how you got your year going. 60th, 35th, 6th, 2nd, and then a win. This year, 47th. <laughs> Second and then first. So clearly trending in the right direction. But 
is it is it a fair statement that in 2024 just maybe not put you on our fantasy team during the first tournament or two week or two <laughs> and then and then uh, add you i mean are, is that's just you getting warmed up and coming out of the massachusetts thaw what is this i don't know it maybe depends on the course of it vegas i've struggled always i'm not a hundred percent sure why maybe it's the fast greens and of course that will be everywhere maybe it's because of the first tournament of the year this year i actually played well in vegas after round one i was on the lead card then Mm -hmm. i remember round three i played with paul mcbeth on the same card i think we were third card and I mean, the, the field is so strong. If you have one or two bad breaks or one or two bad holes during your round and then kind of don't birdie out the last eight holes, then you suddenly are in 30th. It's like you didn't really do that much wrong. And I felt like I played a really bad last round in Vegas. I'm going to admit that. I, I think I shot two over the last round. Um, I don't know why. I just, <laughs> it happened. It's It was one of the worst rounds I've, I've shot in recent memory. So it was one bad round. Other than that, I was still like right there. I was still on lead card after round one and was still in contention after round two. Um, one or two better breaks here and there and a good last round, I would have been this place probably. So it's, yeah. the difference between 10th and 40th is n- not much, believe it or not. Who has been... Who is maybe, maybe it's a better way to word it. Who's a, who's a sleeper? Who's, I don't want to say a dark horse. Who's a new name or an up and coming star that maybe we haven't either seen on a lead card yet or someone that maybe you've crossed paths with or played one of those rounds with where you're like, dang, you know, it might be a year or two or maybe it's by the end of this year. I don't know. But has there been anyone you know, because we have so much talent, and I saw a ton of it in Tallahassee. I saw a lot of those same people the next weekend at Throat on the Mountain. So all those guys know who I'm talking about in terms of who I've seen. Is there anyone that you've seen that you're you're you that impressed you that you're thinking about could be a big name? Mm. No one jumps out. Okay. I don't think I can. I don't think I can say anything that hasn't been said. The obvious one right now is James Proctor, but I guess that's not even a dark host anymore yeah, at this point. Yeah, yeah he's, I mean, he's, he's known. I, and it's a 1040 player that had a bad year or two, and now he's, he was down yeah. to 1020. And you know, nobody who follows mm-hmm. disc golf is surprised by should James be Proctor surprised. Yeah. No, I just think. I'm surprised. Yeah. Some, uh, I'm a bit surprised. I'm, so, I'm a little surprised yes. at the consistency. If you told me yes. that James Proctor was going to take fifth place at an event or two this year, zero surprise. I am a little shocked at how consistent he's been, but I, I he's but like there me, every time. Yeah, he's there every time. I agree. That's, but, a great, that's crazy. But he's a known to me. He's a known great commodity. It's just the con, the consistency's there this year, which is hard because nobody else has other than Kelvin. Nobody else has done that. <laughs> wow, and, mm-hmm. and I'll just bring up James for a moment. Fourteenth, uh, tenth third fourth and sixth and this is this is really what's crazy his five events uh two four five events add up his winnings this year this is bizarre to the exact dollar figure you won on sunday his five earnings for this year equal down to the dollar what you earned for first place that kind of weird yikes what did i win yeah, I had to look because I didn't know. You won eight grand. Congratulations. 
Okay, eight grand. It, it the uh, the PayPal. That is my PayPal. lowest win in the last twelve months. <laughs> but the, but the guitar that's that's at least two there grand. was an argument between two. I heard everywhere from two to five, yeah. but it sounds like twenty five hundred ish is the is roughly the value. Well, it's hard to really say. The model that it is is about sixteen hundred. Um, but with all the unique engravements and it's like a one of three, it like who knows what the value would be. But sure. I think I think that style of Gibson guitar is like around sixteen hundred bucks. Okay, okay. Uh, somebody said which is nice. I mean, those are nice. Those are nice freaking guitars. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I know nothing about electric guitars. I've been always an acoustic player. Yeah, yeah like you, you can see behind me yeah. there. Yep. Your friends with Jamie Thomas. Just ask him. He seems to know a lot about electric guitars. Jamie would be a great yeah. guy to call for that. You are yeah. totally right. I know. I, I've I've had a few chats with him. I don't know anything about any guitars, but uh, the the few conversations I've overheard, he seems to be very knowledgeable. <laughs> Your winnings this year. I think year. he has like three or four of them. <laughs> electric guitars at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, three hundred and fifty three dollars. Four thousand. I cashed in Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Cash streak. He's, he's like, cool. Let me check my PayPal. <laughs> three, three, uh, three hundred and fifty-three dollars in Vegas, uh, which you know you put that on roulette and a couple, a uh, couple spins. Uh, I paid four, for my flight. Four thousand at uh, at the open at Austin for second, and then eight thousand for Music City. Yeah. Do you know your PayPal login? Balling. Do you bother anymore? <laughs> Um, I don't think they use PayPal anymore. Okay. They might. I, <laughs> I mean, with my wife does big. finances. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might have to ACH yeah. it or something. Oh my gosh. All right. I'm going to put you on the spot now. Uh oh. Oh Hot no. Hot seat. What? You've sucked at the majors. <laughs> Ouch. What are you? Oh I mean, yeah. That's don't sugarcoat it. I'm not going to. What are you going to do in two weeks? Yeah. Are you like, going to suck again? Like I've, I've looked like you've done. Probably real, suck. La- no, I don't. I don't want you to, Simon. Stop that. Kick Nick Carl out if that's what it takes and play well. I don't care about Nick Carl's. Nick Carl's not on my fantasy team. Simon might be. Um, but honestly, you, your your track record has been great at the elites, poor at the majors over the last two to three years. Is yeah. that just is that just bad luck and bad timing? Is that pressure? Well, where, where do you? I'm going to say something. Do I'm going to say something a bit annoying about W.R. Jackson. Okay. Mm. And I know it's a great course. I personally love the course. It's one of my favorite wooded tracks I've ever played in my life. That being said, last year, Paul McBeth shot a 16 under after he shot like a one over or something. Mm -hmm. It was something along those lines. And I could make a huge bet that in the 16 under... He didn't play like phenomenally better than he did the day before. This is a course that is fantastic and loved by everyone and by me as well. I'm looking forward to playing it again, but you need to get freaking lucky a bit. I'm not saying the luckiest player is going to win because we're going to see the top five again that we already know who is going to be the top five. But if it's not your weekend, on WR Jackson, there's literally nothing you can do. Like, you can throw phenomenal shots and get so screwed there. And I felt like last year there, I played pretty well. And just things were not kicking my way. Like, some holes, there's trees in the middle of the fairway. And you throw the shot exactly how you wanted it. 
And for someone, it'll hit a tree and drop to the fairway. For another one, it'll kick 20 feet into the jail. For another one, they'll miss the tree by an inch. And if you just touch the tree by an inch, it's the worst kick you can possibly get. It's just like, yeah, I don't want to call it a fluky course, but there's a handful of holes out there that if luck is not on your side every now and then, it's just going to be tough to score well. And I felt like I was missing a bit of luck specifically on that course last year. So I don't know. I, I, I'm going to go in there again with the same mentality I've been going into every tournament for the last year and a half almost, which is just take a deep breath and just throw and just play. No, no thoughts wasted at, at, on trying to win or trying to be the best. I just want to go out there and look forward to every shot and embrace every mistake because they're going to happen and don't get angry at the bad kicks. Don't get super happy at the good kicks. Just, just go out there and take it how it comes. There's no expectations. That's been working pretty well. And sometimes it's my weekends and sometimes it's not like I got, I got great breaks in Nashville last week. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like the, the kicks that I got were almost all favorable. And I could throw the same shot again and get a worse kick. And then it's just not my week. I'm going to win. Uh, I, I know you don't put a, probably a ton of stock into worrying about it until you get there, but they've made a couple of minor adjustments. It sounds like, have you heard about those? Have you talked about those or will you, you know, just take them when you get there for your practice day? And then what day, what day will you show up for practice? Good question. I wanted to book my flight today, which I have not had time for yet. Um, At least you're registered. Busy day. <laughs> busy day. I'm signed up. Darts, Thanks. not doing dishes, but then not signing up to get to a major. Yes. Definitely. <laughs> how, um, many, how many games How many uh, games of pool did you play today? Sadly, zero. And I okay. still want to definitely play some pool. Okay, then you were definitely busy. All right, all right. I'll back off. Um... <laughs> Yeah, we went to the mall with the family and uh, we did some shopping because Good. after Jonesboro, we're going to fly to Puerto Rico and have a vacation for the first time in five years. Wow. Nice. Be our honeymoon, which is going to be, I can't wait. Um, really looking forward to That's where my wife is from, by the way. Mm-hmm. And I've never been, so I'm looking forward to going. Nice. Um, where was I? Oh, Champions Cup. Yeah, I think I'm going to book for Monday, Monday evening, get there Monday evening. Um start practicing Tuesday and then on, on Wednesday I'm playing the OTB skins match. Mm. I think I know Feldberg is on there as well. I don't know. I, I think the group is already set, but I don't remember anyone else that's on there. So I think OTB skins is a great practice warm up kind of before the tournament. So I'm looking forward to that. So I'll have all of Tuesday and I'll have Wednesday, the OTB skins match before the, the tournament starts. But yeah. I have no worries. Disc golf happens in your head, so the happier and more relaxed you go into a round, the better it'll go for me, at least. So yeah, that's my goal. The the course is, you know, whether it's 80 or 90% the same. I mean, you've been there, you're playing just one course for the event. You know, this isn't this isn't exactly... I did well at Worlds there, by the way. That's, yep. I got third at Worlds when Worlds was there, and I think the year... You had a three-way playoff with Ricky and... Uh... 2017 three-way playoff with Ricky and Paul. Exactly. Yeah. Um, no, I wasn't. So I, 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 I wasn't, can do good. I wasn't saying anything about W.R. Jackson. I was saying majors in general. Oh, <laughs> majors in general. Yeah. I, yeah. I you wonder just haven't why. played well at them. 
I wonder if the other people play better than they normally do. And I just fall off because I just play like I always do. Mm. Or if I actually play worse during those tournaments. I'd have to look at the player ratings to find out. I didn't do that much research. I literally looked through your history and I just noticed that majors, it's like, all right, 20th, 57th, 15th. Like it just, you're not, you've, you've played much better at the elite series events is what I was getting at. than you have the majors. And I didn't know if there was something that you could equate to it or if it was just, like you said, Mm -hmm. the breaks weren't going your way at certain events and it happened. It just happened to be the majors. I know it's hard to tell. Who knows? (laughs) Maybe subconsciously I, overthink the majors a bit or get more nervous than I think I should, or I don't know. It feels like when I step up to a major round that it doesn't feel different to me than uh, just an elite series. So I don't know, maybe subconscious something could be hard to, hard to know what's going on in the brain. Yeah. You should probably win one. That would be my pro tip. Well, that would be pretty badass. <laughs> that would I, I would I would say so. I mean, <laughs> all right, Simon. Uh, we we thank you so much. We know Tuesday night has been uh, darts night, and uh, that you're obviously busy. And and not only after a weekend of winning, but then you come back, you have just a couple of days to catch up with the family, and then I know that you are off to another project or initiative or you know getting ready for the next event, whatever it might be. So of course, all the smashies and Johnny and I very much appreciate you being willing to uh share some of your time with us and and time away from your family sleeping or otherwise uh a- anything you want to say to the world out there whether it's our smashies your big fans how people should support you give us the give us the whole spiel on that you want the whole spiel that's whole a long spiel, spiel. All i it. want the whole spiel okay well first off throw gyro um mvp huge shout out of course they've they've opened a lot of doors for me um and my family so it's unbelievable support unbelievable new chapter in my life and i'm i'm honestly so far loving every minute of it and i signed with power grip i've mentioned that a couple times now a new retail store in the u.s it's been a long old school retail store in europe um, definitely check those guys out. Phenomenal retail store, best in the world. That's why I signed with them. Um, grip equipment, of course. We're working on some stuff, maybe. And then check out Beyond Disc Golf on Jomez if you haven't yet. Check out my YouTube channel if you want to see some guitar playing soon, potentially. Ooh. And other than that, I have a week off, basically. Oh, no, wait. Saturday, there's a new course opening in Milford, Massachusetts, a course that Avery Jenkins and I designed uh, two years ago now. Holy crap, that took forever. But uh, it's done now, and it's going to be open here on Saturday. Weather looks pretty promising. So in case you're in New England and on Saturday you have nothing to do, come hang out with me in Milford, Massachusetts. Lake Louisa is the course. Or Louisa Lake. Might have messed it up. But other than that, did I forget any shout outs? I don't think so. No, I think, I think that about. Oh, wait, I have one right here. Actually, one more. Oh, let me see if I can find the right one. What is this? Oh, that's not it. The goat towel. Ooh. 
I think these are my favorite towels that I've ever used. And uh, he just hooked me up with a bunch of, like, 10 new towels. What kind of towels are they? I ran out. Mi- micro- microfiber? Are they, like, a... They're these two-sided ones. One is microfiber, and the other side is more like a conventional towel-ish. Okay. So you have both. Whatever you need in that situation, you can uh, switch back and forth. And they have really cool designs. I can show, like, you have this guy... You have this guy. Hey, is this a German flag? Looks almost like a German flag. Mm. <laughs> Looks like it's going to get muddy. Um, yeah, go towel. Greatest of all towels. Exactly. Pretty simple. <laughs> yeah, <it's> definitely. <laughs> all right, Simon. So uh, that answers my last question, which is I can't convince you to come to the Skyline Classic this weekend. We're, we're going <laughs> to. Another shout out. To Doug and Melissa and Doug. Yeah, yeah. Hey, we've all we've all had some Melissa and Doug toys in our house. You got it. Um, uh, I think that might be it. Oh, one more thing. This thing's really cool. What, it just spits it little bubbles. Bubbles. Oh, just bubbles. Yeah. yeah. Like hundreds of them per minute is insane. <laughs> <laughs> What's your least favorite kid toy? Here, this is as much as a pool nerd I am. I have a catalog for pool cues. Mm. Pool dog. Shout out. (laughs) (laughs) You'll get them on board eventually. Uh, What's your least favorite kid toy? Like maybe it annoys you or it breaks or you step on it or, or whatever. Like what's your least favorite one that you've come across? I think I love all of them. Wow. Equally. That'll change. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'd set up well, with my, my kids until I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Emmett is finally, like, fully walking now. He took his first steps, like, I think a month ago. Okay. But for him to now, he chooses walking now over crawling. Like, yeah. literally, I think after the day I left for Nashville, he started walking, like, full time. It's sad that I missed exactly that moment, but I came home and he felt like a new person. <laughs> that's crazy. Mm-hmm. In five days. I was gone for five days. Mm-hmm. And I got home, and he was like a real toddler out of nowhere. I was like, "What?" Yeah, that happens. He's like just walking along the house now, just walking back and forth. He's do- taking turns, picking up a ball, and then keep walking and then throwing it. And like, who's this baby? Yeah, you get a little panicky once in a while. You're like, "Oh no, 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 no!" Because you're thinking like, "Don't walk into the corner of that, you know, that that end table." And but at some point, I'm a bit surprised. You just have to. You how have to little it. survival skills babies have. Like, <laughs> yeah, they really need your help tougher? for. A, they really need your help for a few years, like supervision and stuff. <laughs> no, like when they're on the couch, they just want to like face dive yeah. onto the floor. Like they have no idea of anything dangerous at all. <laughs> They, uh, just, they have no experience. They have no sense for danger at all. It's, uh, it, nope. those like how, how evolutionary does that make any sense? Like they have just no idea at all. There are, there, if you think about it, there are some animals that like two months that they're, you know, they just get kicked out of the nest and it's good to go. See you later, animal. Good luck. Don't get eaten by a predator. We have to baby our kids for like 16 years before they finally are like, get, get, all right, you're free. Go take a car. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I had this discussion with Steve Dodge actually last week because he came over to a drop of one of his new birdie games, Birdie Pro. Another mm-hmm. shout out, awesome uh, board game with yep. with new die and new rules and new karma cards. Steve Dodge, uh, if you're listening Sunday, to this, going... Skip Ace could use one as a prize. But mm-hmm. go ahead. 
Okay, uh, I'm, I think I'm going to Steve's house actually on Sunday to uh, do our second round of Birdie Pro because I miserably lost last time and I needed revenge. <laughs> and uh, he came over and I, I talked to him about this thing, like why in humans is a baby useless for like at least five years before it can even feed itself? And that's even generous, probably more like 10 years. Um, and he explained to me, he actually knew the answer because our brains are so big and we are basically born completely underdeveloped because our brains need that much time to actually function properly. And all other animals have so small brains or so like limited intelligence. Sounds a bit bad saying that, but it's kind of true <laughs> compared to humans. Um, different intelligence. Yeah, you're not going yeah, to insult any of the animals watching, I promise. <laughs> Well, you know, animals are have their own type of intelligence. Yes. But uh yeah, they get born with a fully developed brain and then they don't need time to learn stuff. And I was like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Now I get it. Huh. Still kind of weird how that is, how that is beneficial to our surroundings. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh yeah, it's better to get their shit together. And at around age 33, you start picking up your own dishes. It's amazing. <laughs> yes. uh, and around 30, they figure out how to play disc golf better. <laughs> oh, there you go. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> All right, Simon. Well, thank oh you. Oh, my God. My Seriously. favorite interviews. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we appreciate it. I got a text message from my brother yesterday. And he said, oh, I'm sitting on an island in Spain. And I just checked scores. And you won. Is this normal now? <laughs> You're like what? Me in Spain, or me? Or are you winning? winning. <laughs> wow. He's like, he said it seems to be like you can win now. That's weird. <laughs> that's like, that's like, like a encouraging okay. compliment. That's right? a, yeah, it's a backhanded compliment. <laughs> it totally is, and I'm jealous that he's on an island in Spain. You're going to be in Puerto Rico. I mean. Set, set I'm going to be in the Caribbean for the first time ever. I'm really looking forward to that. Like, yeah, it's literally my first. Vacation that doesn't involve disc golf in many, many years. Yeah. Send them some pictures. Basically ever. Yeah, how, how long are you going to be going for? I think 10 days. I'm going right after Jonesboro. I'm flying from Memphis to somewhere in Florida to San Juan. And then I'm flying straight from there to OTB Open. Okay. So I think there's like 10 days in between-ish, mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah, because uh, the May fifth through the seventh weekend, I know I'm my my channel's covering something post production, and just generally it shows as a weekend off. Um, you know, I'm going to be down at Huck Central, uh, which is going to be a phenomenal course and great competition. But yeah, they're giving everyone plenty of time. Basically, you get from Jonesboro, Arkansas, all the way out to OTB in California. So uh, that sounds like a perfect time for vacation. And then when you're a baller, I'm, you I'm just fly right into California. Who, who drives? Who drives in a old beat up RV with Avery Jenkins anymore? <laughs> Not Simon Lazat. Uh uh. Well, he just books tickets. Yeah, I've got to say, I usually, I usually don't look forward to traveling. Usually, being home is my vacation. But uh, for this one, I'm actually really looking forward to it. So it's it's just really cool to like be on a nice warm beach and. I've never been to anything Caribbean. You, Terry, you probably have. Not, not really down there. I mean, I've spent tons of time in 
in Florida, but that's about as close as I've really ever gotten. Uh, yeah, we, I did I a Caribbean it's cruise down there. Like the yeah. water is warm, apparently. Yeah, yeah, we did a Caribbean cruise, and uh, we got to get out at a few places in one of the islands. You're right. Like it's amazing how warm the water is. You just get. You're like this is like bath water. It's great. Hmm. I can't wait. <laughs> Emmett's gonna love wait. it. Emmett's gonna love it. Yeah, he will throw, throw a nice little life preserver. Yeah, we're on taking it. him to swimming classes already to get him used to the water. Perfect. So yeah. we're doing it all. Swimming classes were always fun with kids. <laughs> yeah, mm. I really enjoy those. It's like so did I. It's so fun. Yeah. <laughs> How good of a swimmer are you? I enjoy most things about being a dad. It's just the annoying. The most annoying part is probably feeding him. He's a bit of a picky eater. Oh, yeah, you but I heard nip- feeding babies in general is pretty hard. Yeah, you got to nip that in the bud, though. Like, literally, like, you just got to start shoving every kind of food you can at them. Let them. I'm very fortunate. My, my son will eat almost anything. My daughter, a little more picky. We, we weren't quite as uh, adamant about it. But my son eats almost anything. So. Also, I have a question. You both have two kids, right? Or do yep. you have three, Johnny? Two. Yep, two, both two. two. Two that we know of. Yeah, that we claim. How after... <laughs> How after having one kid do you decide to have another one? I don't, I don't get it. Because you think about, in general, it's nice for them to have a buddy, a person, a, a, mm-hmm. a, yes. a, a pal. Like, because you're going to be gone a lot, and it's just kind of cool to be like, hey, my, my kid has someone to either look over or look after. You know, the big brother is always kind of the, the cool thing. I, I'm lucky that... You know, obviously Terry has two daughters. I have a son and a daughter. My son is older. So there was always just something really cool about, oh, yeah, I was a big brother growing up. And now uh, my son is a big brother. And there's it's just it feels right to have. And I don't judge anyone who doesn't, but it just feels right to have for them to have a sibling. Right. You have a sibling. I I 100% agree. So I my whole life, I always thought mm -hmm. I never would want an only child as a kid Mm because that just seems off for me. But now that I've had one, I'm like, I, I think I can do it again. <laughs> Wait, so you, you so how old is he? He's like 14 months? He's almost to the day, 14 months. Yeah, Pretty almost, good. All right, 14 months. So it's about time. Yeah, it's about time to start getting busy. <laughs> start, you know, you come uh, on Smashbox I, for nothing. The, uh, <laughs> I, 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 Terry and I can both agree, like, about... A year and a half to two and a half years is really a nice frame to have kids. Yeah, because you start going into that four or five year difference. And it's way just, different. Then yeah. they're they're just way different than you're doing all these different crazy things like, oh, good, you're you're in high school. Oh, you're still in elementary school. It just it doesn't seem to work. Yeah, I mean it works, but mm-hmm. sooner than later. Yep. There's pros and cons to everything in life. There, of course, there is but because sooner than later. Yeah, and you don't have to. I don't think you would have to worry about like. For me, I had two kids in daycare for like a year. That was crazy expensive for like one year. So thankfully, I don't believe you have to worry about that. And uh, in general, so there are advantages and disadvantages to to the just different whatever. But yeah. All right. Get off the screen. Bring Natalia in. We're going to talk with her now. <laughs> We're going to have a word with her. We're going to go on the podcast. <laughs> She said no. She said no. All right. I, I, I don't blame I don't her. Blame her. Yeah, that's, that's the right answer. <laughs> the fact that anyone says yes At to a, us, even just 1140. Yeah. Yeah. It, oh, yeah. 1040 for us. Cheers. <laughs> yeah. I don't think nice. it's the same. All right, pal. We will let you go. 
Thank you. Uh, again, thank you for sharing your time, your insights, and uh, all the good stories. And now everybody knows that much more about darts, uh, ourselves included. And That was a long to... darts segment we had there. Love it. That's what we're here for. Right? I'll see you in Georgia. I'll be, I'll be, unfortunately, I will be in the booth uh, because of Nate and Val having a and baby. Ben? Uh, I'll be in Bend because Nate and Val switched up a few weekends, and what, this is one of them. So, yes, I'm going to be calling the action from the booth. So, hopefully, I'll be seeing you and talking about you uh, every single day, and we'll be, uh, yeah. yeah. And I'll be switching the show and watching you. So, it's great. We'll have our. Promise answer. me that if I'm not on coverage, if I'm in like 40th place, you mention me at least once. I will. I I will absolutely okay. be able to do that. I'm like, oh man. The other day, I'd be like, yeah, Doss. I, Johnny and I were just talking to Simon the other day, and we said he pretty much sucks at majors. And this weekend, no, he no throw shit. me under the bus. Johnny said Simon sucks at majors, and look how he's doing right now. Do you think he has a chance to come back from this? He started triple, triple, triple. I don't know. <laughs> it must be the bad luck. It must be the bad luck. We'll get you into that conversation. It won't be hard to do, my friend. All right. Again, have a good night. Thank you for joining us. Best of luck uh, in uh, at the major in a couple of weeks. We'll see you there. Yep. Good luck, buddy. See ya. All right. Good night. Good Thanks, night. guys. Simon Lazat. Always one of my favorite interviews. One yeah. of my favorite people. I hope he gets back to Wisconsin here soon. It's close to tolerable. We we do, we put up with him because <laughs> we have to. Uh, <laughs> so yes, thank you so much to Simon for joining. He's just. As people have said, like uh, just so honest and straight shooting, just tells us that he was nervous, tells us all these things. And we've joked before, but if you want a lot of golf talk, you're watching the wrong podcast. You know, we talked about the come from behind stuff. We talked about this and that, but we're here, we're here to get to know Simon better. All right. Let's quickly. I don't even know if we did it. No, we did. There's more golf talk. God, Terry. Let's get over. Let's get over that stupid (laughs) stuff now. Okay. Uh, Quickly recap what we saw in the top uh, five or eight or ten spots for the rest of the people that were losers. We'll go to ten. We'll we'll talk about the nine other losers. Uh Uh, The first loser, Anthony Barella. Ouch! (laughs) Ouch! Uh, Shooting twenty two under par, losing to Simon by one. Uh, Anthony was able to birdie the last three holes of the round. Kinda almost give him a chance he had to throw a 200 or 180 foot shot and whatever it was to to push and that was very 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 difficult on that hole regardless of where you ended up so he was not able to do that Uh, but ultimately three birdies had a rough a slightly rough putting round i think that anthony was really in contention anthony and gannon were both in contention to win this and just really couldn't get it done down the stretch uh tied for third as i said gannon burr and kelvin heimberg in, oh, as well as Chris Dickerson. He was tied for third as well. Uh, all three of those guys on the lead card, I believe, and just got passed up by Simon. Mm, rough. Uh, sixth place, James Proctor, who was, I think, on the third card, who shot a 10 under par to jump himself up into sixth place. We talked about him earlier tonight, just how well he's been doing. He's been a, a fantasy disc golf steal, but in general, such consistency. Seventh place, Austin Turner. That's that's like the second week in a row we've mentioned his name for majors. That guy. Or yeah, elite. Sorry, not majors. Elites. That is this going to be a regular thing? I mean, he's he clearly has the skills. We've known it for years. He just kind of never was able to put it together. He's always kind of been just. Yeah, he had a little bit of injury and we weren't seeing him at his peak uh, physical health. 
uh, for a couple times, which you couldn't tell by his workouts. You but, know what I mean? He's, I just follow him on Instagram. You'll see all of his workouts. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, but he has sustained some very legitimate injuries yeah. that have kept him from playing at the top level. And now you have to. The, it's a very valid question to say, hey, is is he over those to is, the point where his game is all clicking and it's showing us the potential that he's always had? Is the game yeah. now developed into everything that it, he we've known he does have? He's still, based on just what I've seen, he's still kind of in that Anthony Barella. He's got a little bit of a putting issue now and again. But ultimately, he's been finishing near the top for the last few weeks. So congratulations to Austin Turner. Eighth place, Ricky Wysocki coming back from his wrist injury. I'm going to put it in quotes. I mean, that's what held him out. Uh, he even said it's not... I think he had said on an interview, it wasn't an injury, so to speak. It was just the Lyme disease flaring up. Yeah, and Irritation flare up. Uh, yeah. But the, it was the wrist issue. Happy to see Ricky be able to kind of come back and finish eighth place. He he had a rough first round. I don't say rough, but he was a slower first round, but a lot of guys did. Uh, it was tough to tough in those conditions. But Ricky ultimately finishing eighth place. So I feel really good about Ricky in the future, whether it's from here on out. I, I had made a couple comments that I didn't feel comfortable with Ricky until I saw him finish an event. And I feel like we've seen that top 10. Awesome. Ricky Wysocki is back, baby. Um, tied for ninth place, Joel Freeman and Isaac Robinson. And Isaac Robinson, Joel Freeman, just in general, of uh, one of our top players, kind of always up in the mix. And Isaac Robinson getting, I would say, a little monkey off his back. He, is, he hasn't played well at this particular event over the last few years, last year or two, is from what uh, my research was. But ultimately, Isaac playing uh, well enough to take top 10 so congratulations to Isaac Robinson. And not, I, I don't want to let this go quite yet. Cole Radalin. Yeah. In 11th, shooting the hot round, the final round, to shoot himself up uh, 20 places from 31st into 11th. I don't, he kind of has a theme. He's got a theme. Uh, decent, decent, Explode. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Just the... Uh, I, I think I said it a few weeks ago. He may be the streakiest player that we have seen in recent memory, just he has that gear that he just kicks it into for one round. If he could manifest that into two rounds, he'd be a winner. Yeah, just like if Simon would choose mm-hmm. not to suck for some of those rounds, like he what he'd win more, yeah, win, win, win harder. <laughs> I don't know, but ultimately, congratulations to Cole Allen. All right. So as uh, we briefly alluded to, uh, two weeks from now is when we're going to be, of course, back at the International Disc Golf Center for the uh, Champions Cup. We talked about it quickly last week, just the fact that there's now going to be a play-in that has been announced. Uh, It's really hard for me to not continue to make jokes about play-ins, including a a C-tier that I think is happening in California that sold out very quickly. And I said, ah, don't worry, there'll be a (laughs) play-in for for a couple of the spots. Every one of those jokes is legitimate and earned. Yes, so... uh, Yes, well, so we'll be seeing that. I know some of the crew from uh, Nate Heinold's staff and crew who uh, will be one of your, your tournament director host types. is they're, I think they're heading down like literally tomorrow to start prepping things, you know, giving it a full week of attention uh, mm. to have some of that crew and staff on site. Uh, the other big, yeah, there's a big conversation that we don't know much on. But it did surround the other big event that was taking place this weekend. There was a little bit of a hubbub 
as all the cool kids say these days. So I'll spill the tea. Uh, no, there was a little bit of a uh, kerfuffle, hubbub, scuffle, confusion, frustration, pain point where uh, one of the players from one of the teams at the college nationals seemed to get, I'll say mixed information. Um, I, I saw a post by them. I didn't see much of a rebuttal, so that's why I can't speak to it uh, indefinitely. But it sounded like there was uh, just a little bit of a, yeah, for lack of a better term, we'll say a, scushel, a, a scheduling snafu and or some miscommunication. <laughs> And, 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 and I'm only being generic and high level because I, this, I know nothing more of the intimate details the on, other the, than what I think the only thing I read was from one side's perspective that he had went to the TD or the TD went to him and said, hey, you, your time has changed. And he said, hey, I can't make this time because we're there are there are other things I'm a part of here at this event. And so they worked. Apparently, he he had thought they worked it out so he could move his tea time back to later in the afternoon. But when he showed up later in the afternoon, there was some confusion as to why he wasn't there earlier in the afternoon. Uh, definitely an unfortunate, I don't want to say black eye, but an unfortunate turn of events for a, uh, for a competitor at this event. We, we can only hope that, Things get sorted out and figured out, but my my understanding is maybe this isn't the first time that someone had said that there was a, a problem like this over the last couple of years. Uh, to, so, and, I don't and, know. and I, it's uh, hard for me to say. I was just, I don't, say, I don't follow this neither event. You enough. and I were there, nor do we know all the intimate details. But when it is all said and done, I believe there was something like seven hundred and fifty competitors Woo! at the event. Uh, I make no excuses for anyone, but when you're talking about 750 individuals that are yeah. involved in a weekend of disc golf, unfortunately, I can understand that somewhere a mistake or a miscommunication can happen. And I'm I'm not excusing any blame, nor am I pointing any. I'm just saying when you look at it from a little bit higher perspective, I'll quickly read off for the 2023 college disc golf national championships. It has the D one singles with Cincinnati. I'm going to try and read through this as quickly as possible. Cincinnati as your winner, uh, Cincinnati in the mixed amateur, um, in terms of the team championship with Cincinnati there as well in the D one women's singles, uh, Brigham young, well, I just want real quick. I want to. I want about the the mixed amateur. Shout out to Emporia State, a friend of ours, Emac, being the coach. But this is their very first year doing college nationals, and they took second place. So I just, I don't know a lot about college, the, the college thing. But in general, some of these teams have been around a while. Emac be, being able to bring a team and the very first year that they're playing show up in second place. I think it deserves a little shout out. Uh, I can get on board with that. And Emac, get that bag. You. That's right. Coach, coach, goat, coach. Uh, yeah, coach, goat. Can we start throwing those? No, that's not yet. Not yet. Okay. Next year. Uh, yeah. FA1, what am I reading here? It looks like D1 women's team. Uh, Missouri A is listed as your champion there. Uh, D2 singles, Iowa State listed as your champion. I'm going to try and keep reading through these. D3 for your team. Uh, I'm sorry, D2 team, uh, North Carolina State in MA1. I hope I'm not, yeah, I was going to say, I hope I'm not missing stuff. I'm sure I am. Um, 
<laughs> my my announcing was so good of teams and names last uh, couple of weeks ago Let, that I got a special r- clip. Rolling with so, it. So you're welcome. Uh, uh, D3 singles. Anderson is listed as uh, first place. So congrats to them. And D3 team listed as North Carolina State. So congratulations. Johnny and I will be the first to admit we are not fully up on all of the disc golf college scene. What used to be a very manageable scene and something <laughs> that we we knew half the people there or was just a few dozen kids 10 years ago or whenever it started all, all that time ago and was very, very easy to uh, comprehend has now turned in this just absolute massive undertaking uh, with full-time careers and uh, just... Like I said, I think 750 people. Now, one thing that is my understanding is that was played at the same place where we're going to see the silver event taking place this weekend. And so if you weren't consuming all of the PDGA's post-production from the college event, now I think you're going to see uh, it taking place here for our silver event. And Johnny, from what you and I have seen, again, a place we're otherwise not familiar with, at the Blue Ridge Championship at North Cove, Mm -hmm. uh, so far... There's been a lot of positive response to this course from what we've it, seen from social media. Yeah, it looks, uh, I think Ella Hansen had, had made a post saying it looks very pretty. Like, it's a very pretty course. Um, I, I'm excited to watch slightly the uh, the event. I'll catch what I can this weekend. I don't know what my schedule, I don't think I have anything on my agenda. But I'll probably put it on in the background. My wife always loves that. As she rolls her eyes and goes, oh, more disc golf. Um, he. If I'm not going down to Kenosha and hanging out with you, we'll see. Okay. So, yeah, good luck to everybody on the uh, It's a really, silver event. Yeah, really good field at the silver event. I think really all you're missing is your Simon, Paul, and Eagle, ultimately, of your top 10 or 12 guys. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Tim Court says it's like USDGC with elevation, tight OB, and small green. So... Mm. Best of luck. Was there any other A-tiers on the board that we should quickly recognize since we usually do? Probably not. No, it look like... Uh, no, nope. no, there are a few really B-tiers. This, okay. this was a, a dedicated to the elite. Yeah, and understandably, this being Easter weekend, a lot of events uh, not wanting or looking to roll into Easter Sunday. Obviously, some still did, but quite a few, uh, I think, don't necessarily schedule themselves on uh, this particular weekend, so... All right, Uh, and then this upcoming weekend, what are we seeing here? Uh, We've got Bowling Green, which is an A tier. That's a pro-am. You've got, obviously, the Silver Event, the Innova Blue Ridge. You've got Magic City Mega Bowl, presented by DD. That's an AM A tier, as well as an NADGT AM A tier. Okay. And then the Skyline. And, of course, the Skyline Classic. Hosted by yours truly. By one Terry D. Miller. Yeah. And if you're lucky... Maybe I'll make an appearance. Uh, it, de- it ultimately depends on the weather. If it's really nasty, I'm not going to show up. But I'm not playing. So. <laughs> like, a, like a true like a true disc golf fan. weather fan. Uh, no, what I'll quickly do is show off, and this may or may not come up in the after show, and we do have a giveaway. Mm. But uh, I want to show off real quick. Here is one of the stamp. Well, here's the only stamp. Uh, went with a penguin this year. Uh, Skyline Classic presented by Discraft. So thank you. Uh, that may be up for the giveaway tonight and or next week. Uh, I believe that one's a heat probably, if Ooh. I recall. Uh, this one happens to be a Z-Force. 
right that's a little too stable for my blood (laughs) uh yeah but here's the z-force uh and i got a ton of different molds some unbelievable uh stuff feels good in the hand wow it's not any line i had no uh no but i did end up getting eight or ten or twelve different molds so people have an incredible uh perfect for all skill levels yes oh yeah perfect for ams beginners you know really anyone can uh (laughs) yeah so uh but one of those is given away tonight so that's exciting if you're a Patreon member. Is there anything else in the world of disc golf we need to cover before we get into an after show here, Johnny? Nope. Not that I've not that I've heard this weekend. I feel like we've covered uh we've covered most things and anything else can be random otherwise. It'd be after show fodder. After show. All right, guys, we're going to close it out. We're going to thank you for joining us here in the regular show. If you're unfamiliar, the after show is just more rambling from us. I was going to say it may or may not be disc golf, but the regular show had limited disc golf as well here tonight. And that's okay because uh, that's what we're going to find another niche sport and just talk about it. Like we know what we're talking about. Uh, I've learned quite a bit about bags here in just the last few weeks as well from another buddy. So I won't impart any of that on you though. Cause thank you. Yeah, we don't need to, uh, but we have to of course, thank Simon Lazat. Uh, we'll talk more about some of the experiences from this weekend. I had a great time doing Tournament Central, but we'll talk about that in the after show as well. Uh, For Johnny V, I'm Terry Miller, the Disc Golf Guy. That has been Smashbox TV's podcast 450. We'll see you in the after show when you step inside the Smashbox. Thank you to our $2 and above patrons. Your name is listed below in the credits. If you are interested in being listed as a producer in the Smashbox TV credits and supporting this and other fine podcasts, please visit patreon.com slash smashboxtv. 